Hey everyone. Before we get into the show tonight, this episode features some pretty heavy content. There's conversation about family burning in a fire and a group of citizens standing by to watch. Thurbash, as you may already know, is a member of a cult. And this episode really tackles the confrontation of realizing that your life may have been a lie. So if either of those topics are difficult or triggering content for you, there will be a summary of this episode's events at the start of our next episode. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast that's focused on telling fun, character-driven stories. Now, what does that mean? Well, to keep it simple, we sit down at our desks, log in online, and pretend to be someone we're not for a little while all the while recording it to share with you. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. Follow along as our players pretend to be small town adventurers, doing their best to put some good into the world. And my favorite part about all this is that we have no idea what will happen next. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with. Oh, who am I kidding? It's Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Now, we loosely rely on this system to tell our own stories, independent of the lore and problematic content that comes out of the box with Dungeons & Dragons, especially in its own world lore. In short, this just means that we use the game system and some dice to decide what happens next to our characters, not some story or some world that someone else has written for us. I wonder what'll happen this week. Who knows? Maybe you'll... Find some common ground between two people who once thought they were enemies, only to realize they've lived the same story, but in two different directions. Let's roll the dice and find out what happens next, together. Tonight, our tale continues far across the rolling thicket, moments after Tedward, Hele, and Alea defeated the woodborne horrors of this place. Miles away, at a small fork in the trail, Thurpash and Hamlin continue their treacherous path towards something neither of them want to face alone, hopefully soon to find themselves within a small refuge built high upon a cliff, where our travelers can take a bit of respite along the long and weary wayward trail. Many years ago, travelers would come to this cabin to share stories about their triumphs, their failures, and the trials that led them to this comfort in the wilds. For what else is a campfire for, but to share your hardships with the friends you've met in unexpected places, and to find comfort along the road ahead. And I think with this, we can fast forward a little bit. Hamlin, you kind of reach a crossroads. You go to the right, you know it will take you to a rock wall that can be scaled to reach the cabin. But off to the left, you know there is a 
safer path? Are you guys trying to be like stealthy as you go through or just traveling to travel? After seeing the spiders, I'm stealthy. Okay. I would probably be stealthy, but with a little bit less regard. Or actually, no, you know what? A little bit more regard because of the fact that I've already caused a minor issue. <laughs> so now instead of me having such a like kind of nonchalant caring, I would be a little bit more cautious about how I'm stepping. Okay, so both of you roll me a stealth check. Okie dokie. Uh, I... I'm just going to keep rolling this dice every night uh, from now on. So it's another natural 20. <laughs> oh, cool, because I have a six. <laughs> so, Hamlin, you kind of make your way into this trail that you're confident of. You kind of take a moment to dust your tracks off and take in the area and then make your way into the tree line. You pull bushes back and part it very hard and start to climb up this kind of steep and rocky hill. The trees here are not as dense and you kind of have to like walk on your hands and knees to scale it. Thurbash though, you notice that Hamlin is making a pretty obvious trail behind you. What would you like to do to cover up the path? Is it like a trail in dirt or is it a trail just by like broken branches and other things? Yes, exactly, the second one. Okay, probably what I would do is I would break other parts of indiscriminate branches and make mm -hmm. it look as though just, it's not a single path, but rather a smattering of paths as Ooh, best as I could. I love this. Okay, so you go around snapping branches. Can you roll me a perception check? Yeah, that's a 12 plus one, so 13. You kind of quietly muffle them and start breaking branches to kind of make fake paths in different directions. You get done one, you get done two, and you turn around to the path that Hamlin had made, and you notice that there are at least a half a dozen other broken trails that you didn't make. And the path that you know Hamlet went up is concealed. Mm -hmm. And you feel that warmth again. Do you take any time to examine the fact that your wound has made its way up to your elbow? I have not. I don't think I would until I know that I was in a safe location. Okay. Since Thurbash has been told already multiple times that the only safe location is where Hamlin resides, he probably uh, would wait until they got to that particular point. He can feel the heat, right? So he knows mm -hmm. that something has changed but he hasn't taken the time to actually examine what has occurred. Okay, so I assume you just cut into the hidden path and make your way up to Hamlin, right? Yeah. The minute I notice that there are other branching paths, I like take a mental note of it, but then mm -hmm. I just keep walking through the path that I know that Hamlin walked through. Quick question though, that rocky cliff, how far up was that? What do you mean? Like to get to the cabin or? Yeah, cause you said there was the rocky cliffs to get to the cabin or the path. The safer path is basically an arrangement of hills. Mm -hmm. The rocky cliff actually used to be a series of rope ladders and catwalks that has since deteriorated. Uh. So it's scalable, and it very obviously looks like the only way to get up to that lip, if you even knew that the cabin was there. Right. How far up was that? About 120 feet. Never mind then, it's fine. Yeah, at this point, the path has woven its way towards a small mountain nestled into this forest. And Hamlin, you kind of, you know this, but Thurbash, you start to realize it as both of you make your way up this very steep hill, kind of grabbing onto roots and large rocks as you climb your way up. It eventually becomes rocky and you can hear rushing water as Hamlin, you find a spot that you had carved out to be a safe path. And after about 20, 30 feet, you make your way to a clearing that is actually like a small plateau dug into the side of the mountain. Off to your right, you can see trees just going off into the distance into the night being lit by the ring light above. And to your left, you can see dug into the wall is a triangular cabin. 
An old dusted stained glass window sits affixed in the top of the point of the triangle. And down in the middle, there is this old beat up wood door with a series of stained glass on it with windows on either side. Outside is a small beat up porch that has fallen to disrepair and a small like stone fire circle where you can imagine travelers sitting down to enjoy a warm fire. With this gorgeous view, you can see off miles into the distance. Can I see the Ashmore Mountains from here? No, you're oh, way okay. too far. Way too far. Okay, okay. Yeah. In general regards, if you're standing flat-footed on the ground, the horizon, if let's just say if you're on an empty plane of nothing, the actual horizon is about three miles away from you at any given point. Oh, okay. Just because the way the planets curve. Oh, okay, yeah. So way, way, way further than that, yeah. <laughs> way, way further, yeah. But up on the mountain, you can see further. But, you know, not outlandishly far. Yeah, you've mentioned before that, like, the Ashmores are, like, what, 200 or something miles away or something like that? <laughs> yeah, they're very, very far southeast from your position. If basically, if you took the river that you guys were on your boat, you took that river for, like, about a week and a half, you'd probably make it to the Ashmore Mountains. Okay. But yeah, so both of you now here stand in this small clearing on the plateau. Stretching off in any direction is the treetop of this kind of corrupted forest being lit by the ring light above. Take a moment to think about what you'd like to do. This is your cabin. No, this is not my cabin. This is not your cabin. This is a separate cabin. Oh, that's even more interesting. It's a neutral place. I'm further down the path. I'm not by the cabin. Fun fact, never been in the cabin. You've never been in a cabin? No. Probably filled with spiders. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hazard, it could I guess. Be. I, don't, I don't know. If I, I feel like... If I've ever had to sleep here, which is probably sometimes, I would just be like on the porch. Yeah, that's fair. So we're at the cabin. Yep. You've stayed here before, so you're vaguely familiar with it. I've just been telling him that uh, Hamlin never went inside the cabin. He's oh, always he's always stayed up the, top. He's oh, cool. outside the cabin for reasons, but that would also fit into why he has the uh, alert feature. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So he's never really safe. Helmut starts to do his normal routine when he gets up here. He starts to make a fire and put out his uh, bedroll and all that. Okay, cool. Yeah, so with these, you're pretty able to get a fire going and you get out your bedroll just fine. Are you guys just gonna sleep out here? I will, if okay. he would like, he could totally go in. I've never been in there, so. Thurbash will, <laughs> out of no knowledge, just go towards the door and attempt to open it. Okay. He has no previous knowledge of like whether or not it's dangerous or anything, so he'll, on base instinct, just try and go in. When Hamlin sees that, I'll grab his arm and be like, just to let you know, I've never been in there. I don't know what's in there. I'd feel more comfortable if I knew exactly what we were doing within our environment before bedding down, and that includes inside this ransackled shack. Let's go of his hand and says, fair enough. I'm going to open the door After try you. and enter the cabin. You reach for the door and turn the handle, and it just clicks and you give it a gentle push and it swings open ring light casts in and you can see a layer of dust on the floor you can see that the stained glass the ring light outside is kind of throwing the interior of this place in a bunch of kind of beautiful muted colors from all the dust on the windows is there any like unlit torches in the space or anything like that as you kind of glance in, off to your left and right, yeah, there are these tall wooden pillars that go up to the ceiling. It's vaulted. And affixed at, like, roughly the six-foot level, there are two torches that have been there long since dried, but you could get them going again if you wanted to. I will press the digitation and attempt to light both of them. 
daylight with ease. And as the room lights up, you can see this very open space. It's probably about 40 feet at its longest. The ceiling is probably about 25, 30 feet above you. Off to your right, you can see a large, long counter and what looks to be an old wood fire stove, a large box up against the wall with a handle on it. And you smell like decaying fruit. As you can see over the counter, there are these crates filled with like really bad, bad fruit. And off to your left, you can see a handful of these kind of long, wide couches that are in disrepair. They're kind of falling apart, but they're kind of centered around a small table where you can see there are a handful of ceramic mugs. Some of them are broken, some of them are sitting on their side. And at the back of the room, you can see there is a single door against the wall. And above that, you can see there is what looks to be a balcony with a railing. Stranger, do you know what happened to the people in this place? No. Uh, told you, I've never been inside. I didn't know. It looks as though it was once very uh, homely, vibrant, and then abandoned almost instantaneously. Yeah. Well. Did you want to stay in here? If you'd like. Otherwise, I'm more than willing to stay underneath the light. Sometimes buildings are more of a trap than they are of a assistance. Yeah. I've never stayed in here before, so I'm more comfortable outside, actually. Then we'll do that. And I will use prestidigitation and take out the light from the torches to bring the space back into darkness and close the door behind me. So the light snuffs out and you gently close the door behind you. Wait for me. <laughs> Lock in. <laughs> <laughs> As Hamlin's leaving, he just kind of mumbles to himself like, I wonder if he would have liked it here. I would say with Thurbash's passive perception, way too quiet for him to okay. hear that. Yes, so you close the door behind you and it gently clicks shut. What would you two like to do? I'll take a space on the opposite side of the fire ring from Hamlin, the stranger whose name I still don't know. And I will uh, get to that set up to a that. very like meager, like I'm not even going to lo- roll out my bedroll. I'm just going to put my pack down and kind of sit with my packed weapon across my knees. I'm still on a a little bit of an edge. Not enough that I'm going to actually attack him, but enough that I'm still not exactly comfortable. Oh, uh, sorry. Where are my manners? Uh, My name is Hamlin. You can call me Thurbash. Thurbash. Right. How long have you been in these woods, Sir Hamlin? Most of my life, it feels like. But I've recently, like I said, taken up guarding this forced and within the past nine months where are you from you were the one who called me out you knew what these robes look like you could only guess where i come from well i haven't seen you around the the settlement i am uh from one of the newer generations and i can only guess that you have come from one of the older ones older ones yes uh we were told stories of as young children of um large groups of the settlement leaving, betraying, and disappearing into the woods, never to return. I'm sorry, I, I only thought we were the only settlement of Thousand Branches. I didn't know there was others. I don't think Thurbash would have known that. No, either. that's news to him, the, that there are other settlements. Yeah. What do you mean, other settlements? There is only one. All other individuals who left our settlement were swallowed by the woods or disappeared, never to return. They were betrayers, and they received a just punishment as a result. Uh, 
Swallowed is a bit much. They live down the road a bit. Or I did. I don't really... I haven't been there in, in months. This is surprising, but good. The Great One wants to expand. He says that if we do not, we'll <laughs> the great one. surely fall. And that's why I was sent out, to recruit more people. To even know that there are other settlements out there means that we're already on our way. We're making progress. Progress. Listen, listen, friend. I don't know how to tell you this, and don't get jumpy, but that's no god. What do you mean? Of course he is. Powerful, yes. I can't, to my knowledge. What I believe is I don't think it's a god. Not really. Well, I cannot change your beliefs. You are already an outsider. It makes sense that you would have your beliefs warped. Perhaps we could welcome you back into the fold one day. But, as of right now, you're being held at a, a distance. I don't trust you exactly enough to make pleasant conversation. Tell me about your, your god, then. What do you know? Well, I know that he is from a long time ago. He helped the original, the first founder of our settlement, Ardrick, and he, through a gift of his own, was able to raise the settlement up from almost nothing. Our family lines have been continuing for generations, and the Great One has watched over us. He has provided protection in the woods. He has let us know of dangers and how to survive, and one day he will save all of us if we continue to worship and do what is requested. Hamlin, I want to cut in here. You were told the same exact story. Okay. He is, as I see it, benevolent. He gives many gifts, and he is very generous to those who treat him as a friend. To those that betray him or treat him as an enemy, they receive only just punishments. Just punishments. Right. Listen, I, I, I don't know what to say. I've been told all of that spiel. Let me tell you my story. I, I was an orphan, and uh, I made I made a friend, someone from Thousand Branches, and essentially just they took me in, became a family to me, and I I was like you, I worshipped, I believed. And what caused it to go wrong? <sighs> my my friend that that took me in, his name was Beaudry. <sighs> he was one of the most devout. One day, he pulls me to the side, and he says that we're going to go on go on an adventure. A secret mission of some sort. I, he didn't give me the details. And so we went, thinking, I just thought it was just some dumb game. And we went, and we walked, we talked, we laughed. It was, it was all normal. Hamley takes just like a couple seconds to really think. You see that? And he points out a massive blackened tree. Yes. What of it? I'll describe this as that in the horizon, off in the very distance, you wouldn't have noticed it unless you were looking for it. But you can see that the tree line is broken by what looks to be the canopy of a single large tree. From here, it just looks like a totally black silhouette on the horizon. Is this something in a general location that... Actually, no, it might be too far. But I'll ask it anyways. Is this relative to where Thurbash encountered the first giant black tree? What I will say about all of this is for you to be encountering these things so far from your home is very disorienting. 
just because like you are literally hundreds of yeah. miles away from your home. He's pointing to a tree that rings something deep in you that you kind of, you know, have only just been starting to like grasp and remember. I see it. So what of it? You see it? That's where we went for his secret mission from the Great One. Uh, we got there and he does something. I think he planted something. I, I don't really know. And he said this was for the benefit of the Great One. To, to spread, you know, spread joy, peace, prosperity, whatever. Whatever he says to you, at the very least. And a couple, it seems like seconds, I don't even know. It corrupted, it corrupted everything. It, 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 it was like it was sucking the life out of the forest itself. And then Hamlin shows his left arm covered in bandages, and he starts to unravel the bandages. And underneath, you'll see that his skin is bit blackened and rough and bark-like. And this is what happened to me. I worshipped like you, and whatever that mission was, it... It tried to feed, it tried to drain the life out of me without regard to who I worshipped, what I worshipped, whatever it is. And he kind of thrusts his hand in front of Thurbash, and he goes, This! This is what your god does! And then he points, just randomly, to where we were, where we, like, general direction of the spiders. Mm -hmm. And he's like, those spiders? I'm pretty sure that's, that's your god too. Does that sound like something a god would do? A real god? I have seen no evidence that my god has done this. Sure, you planted a seed. I am the evidence. And yes, your arm is hurt and I feel bad for you, but who's to say that you did not fail? How do you know that you succeeded in your mission? Perhaps through your own folly, you have suffered damage. You have caused a great chaos in this area. For all I know, you could be telling me lies. You can always roll an insight check. I could. It is part of the game. I could. <laughs> I'm purposefully not doing it. <laughs> I'm I will say, it does make sense, but also he has seen some things that would conflict with what he was taught, so a, an insight check wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing here. I mean, I can roll the insight, but I, I'm purposely, yeah. I'm making it so that uh, Thurbesh is not rolling it. There, there is a reason why yeah. he's not actively trying to poke holes. He's simply questioning. Insight isn't necessarily poking holes. It's like noticing things about a person's behavior too. I know, I know. I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. What I'm yeah. saying is the reason why Thurbash isn't trying to look and see deeper is a- It's because he doesn't want he to. He doesn't want to. There's no, there's no other rhyme or reason. He has a surface level understanding of this, and he doesn't want to have more than a surface level understanding of this. Head in the sand. Yeah. Gotcha. I have a question. Is there anything that would make him second guess it? Right now, with his current state of mind, I don't know. Just in general. In general, yeah. This is out of game. Uh, I'm going off of the idea, because we've discussed it previously, that Thurbash's character is slowly changing. And it's not as a result, yeah. it's not as a result of him seeing things, it's a result of something that has embedded itself within him. So we're, we're yeah. reaching a point now, especially after that most recent bout, where that has, has spread. It is now, in my opinion, causing slight manipulations to his thoughts and forcing him to make incorrect decisions. 
True. I, I, okay, here, I have an idea. Roll me an insight check anyway, because okay. I think the only problem with that line of thought is that you are pigeonholing yourself into a corner where, like, you're making decisions for Thurbash before dice are even rolled. And that's the whole point 13. of the game, you know? 13. I'm not going to paint this for you. I want you to paint it for me. What do you see in Hamlin's exclamation, in his distress, that hits close to home for Thurbash? Something that you've seen before and something that makes you, like, see honesty, pure honesty and belief in what he's saying. Like something from your past. I don't know if there's anything directly from Thurbash's past that could could construe with honesty. There are small bits and pieces that add up. Like, he's yes, he's wearing the garbs. And yes, it sounds truthful according to what Thurbash has been taught. But in terms of him believing in honesty, it's just, I guess, the way that Hamlin is talking about the scenario. It's not that Thurbash is saying that those things never happened. He's simply asking, how do you know that those are actually reflective of what my god has done? I just want to point out you're being a little too literal. Am I being too literal? I don't think so. So like, but... well, no, because you're like, okay, what scenario in my past has directly as, has been an exact scenario of this? You could easily have an image of an impassioned plea from one of your family members who was talking about something that was threatening their home. Oh, you mean like just character-wise? And that would be character-wise. Yeah, not something that's like no. I'm not asking for something that will change your mind. I'm asking for a little tiny nugget of something that rings hits close to home for him. Okay, so you're act you're actually asking for a moment of desperation that is reflective of what Hamlin's currently trying to Yes, okay. yeah, but like something like a, a time in his past where he's seen a desperation like this that was 100% <laughs> true and you, honest. You put me in a difficult believed it cuz he was on his side of the You put me fence. in a difficult <laughs> position, Mike, because the one one spot that I can think of has technically been erased from my memory, so I can't recall it. Mm, what's that was the that? fire that you literally removed from my memory, so I cannot come back to it and say that it exists. What it what what took that away? I believe it was the dream eater took away that memory uh, and removed the fear of right, fire let's... as well at the same time. Okay, maybe this is a thing because you're saying that everything that he believes is not necessarily being conflicted here because he has no proof. Maybe there's something deep inside Thurbash that recognizes this fear and this desperation and this honesty. I mean, yeah, no, that's fair. And he doesn't know why. He doesn't know why, and maybe it scares him. Or maybe, like, just I'm looking for something, because if we keep going on this track of he needs physical proof, there's no chance for growth here, right? But just to speak back to the memory that Thurbash lost of the fire. Can you remind the audience what that was? It was a little yeah, while ago. so when Thurbash was very young, one of the more harrowing experiences he had to endure is those that live in the Thousand Branches live in homes underneath the roots of trees. They excavate ground underneath tree roots and use the tree roots as structural. A fire broke out in one of these homes and the memory is of Thurbash cleaning up, directly cleaning up the area. But if we want to draw back the curtain a little bit further, we could easily bring it in that a uh, family member of that family would be pleading to the guard to stop the fire. But at that point, it's already well, too late. Our brains have went into the same spot. So as Hamlin is saying this, maybe your ears ring a little bit and the faint smell of wood smoke, like a sense memory hits your nose. For a brief moment, you hear like screaming and you just remember a voice saying, the great tree wills itself. And you can just hear that screaming again, and then suddenly...
your senses are back. Your focus is kind of honed back in on Hamlin talking. Because I think maybe what's happening to Thurbash too is that you're saying something is influencing his thoughts and almost writing pieces of Thurbash for him. Yeah, or manipulating his ideologies. Let's put it like that. Which the magic is so strong, it could be undoing whatever that creature did. Okay, that's cool. I like that. So yeah, we cut back in with Hamlin talking. It, 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 it could have been, but everything looked fine. I, when the vines, like just black licorice looking vines grabbed onto my arm, it was like I was connected to whatever it was. There was no benevolence to it. It, it was just hungry, like a starving dog or something. I'm only alive because of Baudry. Ooh. He separated me and that thing and wrapped around him and he it took more than he could give hmm. he's a monster now he's down there and point back towards the, the tree he's a monster i loved him and he saved me from your god i believe your story i, I do hope you see reason i believe you what you're telling is right i just don't see the connection if what you say is true surely someone would have seen signs before surely someone would have attempted to warn us what is what's your mission what is the great one's mission for you if i may be so bold i along with some of my other brothers and sisters were sent across the world to recruit our settlement as you call it is dying many of our members are growing old or are sick and if we do not have more people to help carry on the faith we will surely die out what is your business in this forest? I am passing through. Another group thought me a traitor, so I left. I have too much respect for them to simply hurt them and leave them by. Instead, I decided to remove myself, return home, and let them know of my failings. Hopefully they'll see reason to light and I can go out and try again. But you said that you were trying to cleanse this forest. Yes. Of the spiders? My... God has requests on occasion, and if he believes that this forest is indeed corrupted and needs to be cleansed, then I will follow his word. He has not me, steered me wrong yet. I have no reason to doubt him, even with your stories, even with my... And at this point, Thurbash will look at his arm and see that it is now slowly being converted into something other than his arm. It also looks very similar to what you saw on Hamlin's arm. Just not as progressed. Even if I even if I have to make a sacrifice, as far as I know it is for the greater good, and as a result I will go forward with my deed. What is required, what is requested? <laughs> a sacrifice. Sure. That's that's all that your God will ever ask for is everything until there's nothing. What has he given you? Oh, I like that question so much. Um Ooh, I'm, I'm excited that you're excited. <laughs> Thurbash will, in a calming moment, he, he's had his weapon on his knees all this time, but in a calming moment, he'll pick up the weapon and not point it at Hamlin, just like kind of hold it aloft. And he'll try and revert it to the very first form he saw the weapon in. It was a rapier, I think? The, yeah, I think it was a rapier. He'll try to revert like a big thorn. to the very first form that he's ever seen it. And he'll put, like, hold it, one hand on the blade and the other hand on the hilt and it'll kind of hold it out not too far that hamlet can grab it but just far enough that hamlet can see it this i did not start with this 
I proved myself. I assisted in cleansing one of these large black obelisks, these trees of corruption that you called upon. I did what my god required, and as a result, I have prevented a spread of fetid mess, something that was corrupting wildlife and dragons in the area. And after that, he gave me this, something that I have never seen before, something that no one in my family has seen before. If what you say is true and he is this force of corruption, then this weapon, this gift that I have been given by fighting that corruption, is all a lie. It's all falsities. And I cannot believe that. I don't want to believe that. He's given me power, something that I did not have on my own, something that I am still learning to wield, something that I'm still learning to use appropriately. But there is good in this power. I feel that there is good in this power. I do not know if your story is as damning to my god as you think it is. But perhaps it was, but is no longer. Perhaps a moment of clarity came between the god that you left, the god that you walked away from. And perhaps I am supposed to be that clarity. Perhaps I am supposed to write the wrongdoings that he has done in attempt to bring our world into more of a peaceful world. He's sipping the Kool-Aid is what I'm hearing. <laughs> that's not a bad, that's not a bad, that ain't bad though. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. Damn, it's just a Kool-Aid. This grape. Oh, everybody knows. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's why that's why Hamlin doesn't like it anymore. He was a cherry guy, and he switched to grape. What the fuck? Ah, I knew it. <laughs> the deep lore of Asperon revealed Hamlin's a grape guy. It's all about all, it's all about Kool Aid. <laughs> yeah. What I know now is that those that I considered my friends no longer trust me, and if they don't trust me, then how am I to trust them in battle? That is why I'm trying to venture home. If I find more people who trust me and agree with my line of thinking, I feel like I can actually fix things. I, I hope what you're saying is true, but I, after everything I've seen, I, I can't. Remember, he was, he was my god too. Hey there, folks, and welcome to the mid roll. Time for the usual, I guess. Twitter, follow it for updates and tabletop stuff. You know, we got a lot going on and I promote a lot of other really cool shows with our feed. So check it out. Do you like Redbubble? Well, check it out for cool merch and support our show. You know, hosting fees don't pay for themselves. And lastly, tell your friends and spread our stories far and wide. It means the world to me that you keep coming back to our show every single week. And... I'd love it if you shared that joy with others. Hello and welcome to St. Fleur, where the city is modern, the fantasy is urban, and the faction politics are at an all-time high. Join us in Shadows of St. Fleur as we follow the wizard, Alistair Lockwood. Regret to inform you, I'm not a wizard. I am a master of the arcane arts. The scholar, Jeremiah Roderick Crawford. I'm an earl, you know, and you're a baron. Those worlds carry some weight. The wolf, Victor Margaret. Victor stands on the bridge in the cold. Fuck. The fae who is known only as Silk. Um, do we know if this was a, you know, was a standard mugging? And the vamp, Alex Jarreau. 
quite, because the first time the door opens, I'm going to push her out. Through their experience in the city. Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows actual play podcast with a majority LGBTQ plus cast playing characters finding their way through faction politics, all in pursuit of their own individual goals. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get back to the show. With Hamlin's last words, I kind of like the idea that it hangs in silence for a while and both of you uncomfortably drift off to sleep. Thurbash, what do you dream about? Thurbash has a little bit of difficulty getting to sleep. He has been told something that potentially for another person might be something completely life-shattering. And it's not that it's not life-shattering to him, but I think it's more of a subtle destabilization. He has had his foundation, something that he relies on so heavily, cracked. In his dreams, Mm -hmm. he starts to remember or dream of the first true experience he's had with the priests of the wood as they enact a rite that is only done like once every year. Oh yeah, backstory. Oh, actually, perfect one. They're gonna do the ritual of the cut, which is their way of preparing wood for structures or for use in fires or what have you. Something that is considered very holy because of the fact that it it is in and of itself unholy to cut trees. In order to do it, you have to do a lot Mm -hmm. of preparation work and make it so that it it is not as damning as it could be. And so it takes a long amount of time, a lot of prayer and a lot of like ceremony and a lot of like kind of going through the motions. It's, It's very like specialized for that community. This will be the first time that Thurbesh had seen it. And he was a young child probably when he first saw it. And I would say that in his dream, what was once just a normal, like him watching the motions, now it's these priests are muddled. They're smeared or they're blurred. Their faces are no longer recognizable. And the, the blessed ax that is used to cut trees is now no longer the axe that he remembers. It is an axe that is covered in cerulean and purple flame, and it looks devilish. Ooh. Does that scare him? It unnerves him. Yeah, I would say it scares him. Something that he knows should be holy and should be, like, taken as this is the kind of one of the rock solid foundations of how you're supposed to live and it is warping it in his dream it's it's being warped to something that i like this because it has like the conflict that might be going on internally so i think we cut into in this dream you can hear the kind of murmured chanting of the other people from your community but you don't really hear it it's more like background and in your memory it would have been an elder felling a tree but in this instance uncomfortably it feels like you you're standing in front of a tree that is tall towering before you hundreds of feet which doesn't seem to make any sense and in your hand you're holding this axe this kind of axe that now feels wrong in a way you don't quite understand but also right it's weird it's very very weird and before you is a single tree what do you do thurbash will take a second and stare at the axe this very strange axe and almost as though it's automatic motion he'll wind back and as he winds back to strike the base of the tree he looks again at the base of the tree and where i'm going to take some liberties here where a tree once stood now stands his younger brother Ooh, that's not where I was going, but I love it. And he like takes a second and is really perplexed and looks at what should be an ax in his hands. And it is now a scythe. Mm-hmm. Ooh, a yeah. reaping. Oh, 
he like wants to move forward or like feels part of him that wants to move forward, but it feels another part of him that's like resisting very strongly. At that moment, roll me a charisma saving throw. <laughs> you did that on purpose. You know charisma's my best straight. <laughs> that's a 17 plus seven. So <laughs> it's a 24. So you feel your arm moving forward with the scythe. And a thought is just pushed into your head that says, Cut. And when you look up, your brother is no longer there and it's a tree, but something about this feels that conflict is still there and now it's stronger. It's back to a normal tree. And you kind of shake your head a little and you see that image of your brother for a moment and shake your head again and it's a tree. Something here is conflicting. Cut. Thurbash will feel a force trying to push his arms forward to continue the motion that he has set forth. Something that, like, if you think, you know, kinetic versus potential energy, he has a lot of potential energy built up in this swing, and he has just stopped. But he still feels something trying to push him forward to complete the swing. And even as he tries to prevent himself from going forward, he watches his arms almost as like a ghostly image continuing forward, but the mm -hmm. head of the axe or the head of the scythe doesn't continue. And instead it just elongates from the point where the axe was it at. Ooh, so it cuts anyway. So it's like if someone took the head of the axe and grabbed onto it and then stretched the handle so that the handle is now like, as though it was a snake, is elongating further and further and further. And as it does, you see it tear, lodge into the side of the tree, and that vision of your brother goes away, and it's just the tree now. And it's lodged in firm. And you hear the phrase again. Cut. And then this time, the hesitation that was once there that was forcing him a lot has diminished. So he reels back and brings it back down. So you cut the tree down, and it falls towards you. And as it startling in a moment, but as it impacts with your body, it shatters into like swirling leaves of like cyan and wine and violet. As you do this, you drop the ax on the ground. And as the leaves swirl and take over your vision, this kind of menagerie of colors in your hands, you feel something round land in your palms. And the leaves swirl away and inside in your hand, there is a large golden fruit. What do you do? Dream Thurbash will take the golden fruit and he'll spin it in his hands, look at all the surfaces of it, and it's beautiful. he'll pick it up and instinctually he'll bring it to his mouth and take a bite. <laughs> and as you do, you feel that warmth in your arm get hot and hot and you, <gasps> you wake up and you're upright, standing on the edge of that cliff face down below easily over a hundred feet is the canopy of the forest and in the distance you can see that silhouette of that black tree and in your hand is a fruit a golden fruit with a bite out of it that is turning to dust what do you do uh <laughs> thurbash watches the fruit melt into ash and fall away from him and is in utter stunlock he can't seem to move his body, both because of the fact that what he thought or what he could perceive as a dream fruit somehow was real for a second, and the fact that he is now standing at the cliff face, mm -hmm. a spot that he was not at originally. And 
he will drop his arms to his side and look out over the what horizon he can see with the, the canopy of the forest and the, the giant black tree kind of in the center of it. And he'll just start to cry because he is, at this point, really, really confused and very, very conflicted. Mm-hmm. If anything, this only brings more confliction. Check your equipment sheet. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yes, that's crazy. What did you give me? Is that, That's not the root, right? There's two of them. There's two of them? Let me reload the sheet. Oh, God, I see it now. Oh, no. <laughs> I love that you tainted the dream with conflict because that was wonderful, and it was the exact kind of thing to spur this to happen. Well, uh, like out of game or out of character context, the thing that I really think kind of caused conflict in the dream is because of the fact that he does believe what Hamlet is saying is true. He just wants mm-hmm. to come up with any other explanation besides the fact that it is accurate. I, I love this. This has gotten very, very cool. It's got like Shutter Island kind of vibes to it. I will say you passed your saving throw if you look at the bottom of the item. I assume it says something like, if you do not pass your saving throw. Yes, yes. You die. (laughs) It's just like, oh no. Oh no. (laughs) So yeah, if I failed the saving throw, Thurbash would openly just take actions only for the great tree, regardless of personal safety. For the listeners, I've just given Thurbash an item that was triggered by him eating the fruit and the root in his side that it was a gift from his patron has grown bigger and stronger and has a tighter grip on him. Whenever he experiences a dream from his patron, he has to roll a save, and if he fails, the patron holds sway on his mind a little bit. God bless. (laughs) Like a charm, so to speak. But you you do get cool powers. Check your spell list. Oh, Drugacraft. What kind of creature is this? Is is the great one? Mm-hmm. See? <laughs> Mike not tell you? <laughs> the great one is a fae. Yes. Why is this so sinister? Um funny. The great okay. one the great one is a giant fae. Like a really powerful fae. <laughs> an arch fae? Yeah, an arch fae, yeah. That was a oh. it was a very sad note to end that on, but I uh I kinda like that. That was an intense session. I think, yeah, it's sad, but I think it's definitely because you want a character growth. That's character growth. <laughs> oh, for sure. I did not expect him to. I didn't. Character growth doesn't happen when you have happily ever after. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect you to, to, to throw conflict into the dream for me. That was awesome because I wasn't going to paint that in if you didn't feel like it wasn't important and you just like haul the ass on it. Cool, cool, cool. Like cool. I said, I definitely think that the conflict that Thurbash was experiencing before this session or before these two sessions was minimalist, not minimalistic, but he could put it in the back of his mind and not worry about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then he heard Hamlin's story and that brought it to a more realistic point, but he could still kind of be like, but that's not, no, Mm -hmm. it's not real. That's not real. There's gotta be another explanation, but like seeds of doubt always grow stronger. So especially in, in the subconscious mind. Oh, I love that. It's not something like you can misconstrue what dreams mean, but if there's a serious meaning to a dream, I feel like misconstruing it is only doing yourself disservice. I will say with this, you can level up as well. Okay. Because that that RP was dope. Um, And what I'm putting the other party through is definitely going to level them up. (laughs) Because they're following in your wake, which means spiders, which means dangerous forest, which means all the pathways you made that are fake. Oh, man. <laughs> yep, they'll also see the fire. The, yep, the they'll the also fire. see oh, the yeah. fire. 
I felt bad. I wanted just a check in. That was an intense one. How are you both feeling? Good. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I didn't no, mean no, it. no, it's fine. It's good. Like, I, I just want to check in with everybody because like, you know, intense RP, you know, you get character bleed, you get like the anxiety, like some people get anxiety after a thing like that. So I just like to check in to make no, sure I'm we're all good. good. Awesome. I'm just biting my nails. <laughs> Same. But, oh my God. I, I, I was muting myself and I was just like, oh, <laughs> his brother. Oh. Just chomping them off. I was like, "Don't you dare bite that apple!" Oh, you bit that. Yeah, this is this is also what I like about D and D Beyond because I can add an item that just gives you spells, and it just appears in your sheet. It's like whoop. Thermash comes from a, a pretty large family, mm -hmm. and that means there's other dreams with other brothers. Well, we've already had his older brother show up, <laughs> and so now oh, his younger brother has shown up. They're, they all look exactly Thurbash. They're just different heights. They all, yeah, they all look exactly the same. It's just <laughs> oh, they do. That was a joke. Can they have different hair colors though? Come on, different hair colors. It's a, it's a closed loop family. If you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I sent this to you, Mike, but I do have a list of names. Oh yeah, I have it. It's in my notes. Hey everybody, man, thanks for sticking around. I hope you don't mind that little decompress there at the end. That session got. A bit intense, a lot more intense than I expected. And our players knock it out of the park. And I always think a nice decompress after intense moments like that is always good for role players, adventuring parties, and, you know, just your friends. Just to be clear, our players have veils and lines pre-established, which we use throughout this production. So we ensure that our players are safe and comfortable during the topics that may come up. And again, as you heard, we took some time to talk about it afterwards to wind down from all that intense, awesome, but stressful roleplay. Hamlin is played by our special guest, Sundragon, who also plays Riley with a W on the Gilded Lily, our nerdy little necromancer. Our songs and ambient music for this episode are features from Kevin McLeod and Sword Coast Soundscape, which you will find in our episode description. And maybe check out their Bandcamp pages. Their stuff rocks. We're also using tracks from Dark Fantasy Studios to support the narrative. Stay safe, and see you soon. second <laughs> no it's all right it's nice i'm on board can i get a cool weapon <laughs> too thank you Great you one. have one <laughs> i want another cool weapon i'm not trying to play too much mental gymnastics but thank you for letting me uh go on that path <laughs> no it's okay this is what it's all about i really like your character by the way <laughs> we have made like an exact foil of Thrash's yep. experiences <laughs> He tried to eat me. He did try to eat you. That's very accurate. <laughs>